Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to your weekly Corner Spatey. It is myself, Nick, joined with Rob. I don't remember what this coalition's called, but it's that one. I don't one. remember either. On a beautiful day. Beautiful day. It's sunny, 18 degrees in Berlin. You know what that means. No more problems. We're podcasting. <laughs> no more problems in the world. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, yeah, I do like legitimately, yesterday was, was pretty nice. I went out and, and went on the canal uh, with with Yulia. And then um, just there is something about something about Berlin when it does get past 15 degrees and the sun's nice and shining. It it gives you that reminder that it is, in fact, one of the uh, the best cities in the world, baby. <laughs> when you have nothing to do, you can just get like day drunk. No one bothers you, really. It's sick. It's awesome. Well, a very generous New York accent. One of the best. I'm not particular to each their own, but it's got to be up there. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a great city. I always thought it. I thought it a, a northern European phenomenon. Hamburg was the same. It's just like a certain kind of like warm, sunny, not too humid, not too make anything. you feel some type of way. It makes you feel some type of way. <laughs> but yeah, so enough of 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 us enjoying a lovely. I had to work all day. I take that back, but. Mm-hmm. Um, the beautiful day that Rob and I are not enjoying, we are, uh, you know, coming here to give you the hard-hitting facts mm-hmm. of Europe is still losing its mind. We're hopping in a bus and driving overnight eastward. We're just going to see where we are when daylight breaks. Yeah. And our first stop is Bulgaria, I guess, on <laughs> Rob's book. Bulgaria. I just, I feel like Bulgaria in general, I think today, this week, you know, we're recording a little ahead of schedule. Don't want to, don't want to talk too much about the state of the war. I mean, especially for our purposes, the biggest fallout of the ongoing war is this stark um, realignment isn't even the right word, but this like division, right? Of like the, the, the poles of the world, right? Yeah. Like um, we're in a, we're approaching a multipolar world. In, I'd increasing say. military spending, um, you know, a lot of new what declarations and, um, yeah, like Europe is is definitely saying we're all one and we're we're all on the you same You know who team. isn't saying it though is Friedrich Merz today spoke oh, really? as the opposition leader of of the German government what's, today. What's, what's that? What's particularly that about Fox up to. Yeah, particularly about he was the first one to speak actually today, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. And he made his whole thing about like, yeah, like I want to help the Bundeswehr. Like I'm about that. But we're changing the constitution over this, and we're changing the, um, you know, Germany's ability to go into debt. Like he will not stand for that. He wants to do it the proper way. Unlike Linda, who has sold himself out. So he freedom. called him out. He's like, he's like, he's like this. He's like, <laughs> you call yourself a German? <laughs> he's like, yeah. He's like this. This FDP, you know, is the like worst with managing our finances of like any government. You know, mm. just calling, calling them out, being like, you know what? We were like this, bro. And now <laughs> Lindness is sleeping in bed, you know, thinking something's gnawing at him. He can't get to sleep. And he just so happens to sleep in the same exact room as the room from the end of 2001 a Space Odyssey. <laughs> and at the end of the bed is a giant Schwarzenegger just like radiating certain energy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, there are no eyes. It's just a zero. But Linda feels it piercing mm-hmm. his soul. That's it. That's exactly it. He's uh, he can yeah. hear it saying to him, "You did 
green shit. Oh, I took an awesome oh, photo of but, uh, yeah, so anti-green sticker. In you there, you mentioned, though, the green shit. Friedrich Merz has a problem with, obviously, the, the Schuldenbremse, you know, would, would, would be fucked up. It would become, like, you have to physically change the German constitution in order to then, for Germany to invest the hundred billion in their military the way that, that Scholz wants to. But then... Fiddick Mance goes classic like right wing hawk bullshit is like they're even they're funding you know where the hundred billions going someone's even going to climate science the fuck that got to do with with defense and then so he does this thing of like and he does like he does this like he thinks it's like a major fucking own he's mm-hmm. like you can have your feminist foreign policy I just want the funding to be done right feminist and I want it to go directly policy. to the Bundeswehr yeah. and everyone was like doing a little like like woo like what is what is he up to today like everyone you know? loves their using what woke or cancel culture yeah i love that shit yeah even yeah, vladimir putin <laughs> said that then guns. yeah said that uh uh you know you can uh you know what is it we don't need your genders and stuff mm-hmm. like that so uh, <laughs> yeah friedrich Mertz definitely on the like hopping on the on the, the the train of um you know uh you know, the they, them Bundeswehr is not some, what he some, wants. Something to return to. I want to share this with you very quick. This sticker I saw in, in Brandenburg. Oh, hell yeah. That's these, sick. These are some sick owns. You want to read them, read them off for us? <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, I was read it first in, in winter. Second one's the best one. Um, yeah, okay. Verbotsfetischisten, Deutschlandhasser, Schreibtischtäter. <laughs> I never heard of a Schreibtischtäter. Klimaextremisten, Moral, Moralapostel und Pädofreunde. <laughs> It's a grüne. Grüne, nein, danke. Half of these, half of these are, are historically very true. Uh, I mean, I think most of them are at least part. I think all of them are at least part. So what is it? So they're, uh, they're, they fetishize banning everything. They hate Germany. They're... A Schreibtischtäter, does that mean like you, you're like... You know, do everything. You know, like you, you just sit at your desk. Yeah, you're pass. like, a, yeah, you're yes. like an armchair philosopher yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love that. I love climate that. extremists, so, a moral apostle, and yeah. then the friend, friend, friend of pedophiles, <laughs> a pedo friend. The, uh, the <laughs> people, I love the people are on it. All right, they're they <laughs> they're they're watching the greens. Yeah. So the thing I just think is really funny that then Germany may not like remember like Germany loves their fucking constitution and they That's also true. love their like obsession with debt. Germany may not actually do the hundred billion thing because of an incredibly absurd conservative obsession with debt. Well, I mean, that would be like, you know, we say a lot of things. Tensions were high February, <laughs> late yeah. February. We were all going. Yeah. You know, we were getting joked. You know, I was getting scared and, you know, cooler heads by which I mean. Since, you know, proper economic, fiscal heads will prevail. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Well, that's... Even Alexander Gowland, though, gave uh, Scholz some some, some respect, some Mm. big ups, if you will, for saying Mm. that then he was happy that Germany was not getting involved in a war. Okay. So that was a very interesting, uh, weird thing, because also Gowland just loves Putin, so that's very (laughs) much like... Well, these dynamics are playing out all across Eastern Europe and a little bit of the rest of Europe in particular. But I wanted to getting wacky. We're gonna we're gonna touch on a few different countries. Um, I know it, we got Italy, Serbia, um, some of the Baltics in the mix. But I want to start with one that I think captures, like in itself, is capturing this. Again, it's not the, it's not a new Cold War, but it's the dynamic of. It's like. 
the poles around which the politics, the culture war is everything is now like uh, charging itself. Um, that country being Bulgaria. Yeah, we already packed our suitcases. We're in the car. We're driving. We're we, we woke up. We're in. Bul- there's a there's a there's a checkpoint to get into Bulgaria. Um, we don't know why because it's a part of the <laughs> European Union. We keep telling them that we're that we're citizens we, of the European Union. We, we drove. Yeah. I don't know. We came from Serbia for some reason. <laughs> There's no checkpoint to get into Serbia for whatever reason. Okay. I don't know if uh, if we've checked in on Bulgaria since, because we were covering the ongoing election crisis last year. Um, but they have a government. Woo! Good, you know, good for them. A four-party coalition. Um, and even those co- like parties are like coalitions themselves. Um, where they finally, the reason, if you, if you recall, our Bulgaria episodes from last year. The reason there was it was so hard to form a government is because all of the new protest parties did not want to work with any of the established parties, being uh, Garib, the main center right one, BSP, the Socialist Party, the main quote unquote center left one. But you know, it's just the the inheritor of of the of the Communist Party, which is the vaguely center left party in in a lot of Eastern Europe, and this kind of like free safety, generally liberal, but also like uh, pro. Um, you know, gets a lot of votes from Turkish, uh, the Turkish minority, the Movement of Freedom, and People's Party. So, the way this finally broke, and then there was the the New Populist Party led by a tall, bald man, <laughs> man who sings songs about sexy ladies. Uh, <laughs> the way it finally broke was that there was another new protest party called We Continue the Change. That's the whole name of the party. That's the whole name of the party. That's awful. They are they got the most seats. Um. They did not. They could not register as a proper party in time, so they're part of a coalition. And the reason that they could get on, like, and then like the other parties that they're partnering with, who are registered as parties, surrender their party lists and whatever. One of those parties, which is part of the coalition and is allowing we continue the change to actually exist in the Bulgarian parliament, is Volt Bulgaria, Woo! which has I think two seats of their own compared to sixty something for we continue the change. And they formed a coalition with the new populist party. There is such a people with, again, tall, bald man. Um, Democratic Bulgaria, a smaller kind of like pro-Western, quote unquote, liberal party, maybe more like younger and activist oriented. And the BSP, the British, uh, British the Bulgarian Socialist Party. So they, they are kind of breaking the, the, the cordon sanitaire there, but they are they are chastened and quite tied up with all this russia nonsense if you uh with the with the russia and pro-russia and anti-russia politics now the reason i want to talk about bulgaria is because this new party that finally pulled it off you know getting a a government in place is interesting because on the one hand it's basically exactly what we would expect to resolve this situation the two leaders of the party were both in the caretaker government that was there for like about a year while these elections kept going on and no government could be formed. Um, the caretaker government was quite popular as because they were prosecuting corruption. <laughs> they weren't the, the, the old government. government. <laughs> they were just like, <laughs> hey, you know, we have a government. Why don't we just, you know, stick with them? Yeah. The rest of the government was like taking shrooms and they were just like chilling <laughs> and being like, it's okay, it's fine, I'm here. Now, part of the reason that makes sense is because it, it rhymes with, um, even if it's not exactly the same situation in Austria, for example, where like the technocrats or the 
the elite people kind of managing the situation are seen as a defense against corruption yeah. and against populists. And um, it was after, what was it, the second or third failed government that the uh, the former caretaker, the, for, the, the former economy and finance ministers of the caretaker government dr- left their positions in the caretaker government and started this new party. We continue the change. These names are so bad. A little bit about the two of them. Both Harvard boys. Ooh. One Harvard Business School, one Harvard undergrad. They're both businessmen. One uh, got Canadian citizenship, which was a bit of a kerfuffle. Um, people pulling the old Ted Cruz line on him that he couldn't be. That was partly why he stepped down from his position, because you can't have dual citizenship in the Bulgarian government. Really? For some reason. That's what they said. I don't know. Um, that sounds like some made up bullshit. You know, how do you even have that? Who's with laughing the, now? Because he's prime minister. <laughs> you know, how do you even have that in a country that then just like so like, I mean, I'm curious of how many people in Bulgaria probably also have Turkish citizenship. Important question. I guess none of them are allowed to be in the Yeah, no, exactly. That's how you just the, get rid of all the, the cabinet. Yeah, that's how you get rid of all the like not true Bulgarian, you know, the not ethnically pure Bulgarians then, right? These are the people, they're often described as pro-Western. They're talking a lot of, they're both young. Um, they're talking about how we're finally going to root out the corruption in Bulgaria um and so in the broader context of the uh war in ukraine that can be seen as a very positive development for for the west um about i can't hold this in any longer so the one who became of the two that founded the party one's a prime minister the other one is i think the, the finance minister the one who became prime minister is one kiro petkov he's 41 and, um, you know, like I said, he's an economist, entrepreneur, running the government, says he's going to fight corruption. He gave, now a lot of people pointed out the, the racism surrounding the, or the double standard, let's say, between the Ukrainian refugees and uh, the, the migrant crisis, um, the ongoing migrant crisis of the past several years. Um, I think the one that got a lot of play was some journal, was someone giving an interview on TV describing like the civilizational difference between um, Middle East uh, refugees and Ukrainian refugees. One of the biggest ones too was just um, a member from PIS, the Polish governing party, being like, we have not taken in a single refugee, but we've taken in two million Ukrainians. Like not one Muslim will step foot in this country. So yeah, they're just like, on the nose about it that they are racist now which is um not good but go on yeah okay um and then i was looking and i and i found a very wild quote like the worst of all of them then you know civilizational is like one word and you know it's it, it betrays certainly a line of thinking but this is um this is not a heat of the moment quote i'm about to read this is a this is like a minute long. This, this is a uh, this is a lot of racism. You know, you can fit a lot of racism. It's in like a the it's talk. like the it's the it's the Eminem rap god thing. The <laughs> <laughs> and um, this is from the Prime Minister of Bulgaria, Kirill Petkov. In his he is Prime Minister. All right, and he gave this quote. Um, I will say I have not been able to find a video or anything, but it's quoted in tons of Western outlets. Okay, he stated quote. These are not the refugees we are used to. These people are Europeans. These people are intelligent. They are educated people. Dot, dot, dot. Don't, don't know what was skipped over there. This is not the refugee wave we have been used to. People we were not sure about their identity. People with unclear pasts. 
who could have been even terrorists. That's from the Prime Minister of Bulgaria. That's how how is no one Oh my god. Um so welcome to That's amazing. Your new pro western government. Yeah. <laughs> they learn fast. They learn very fast. I like I genuinely find it so what one all right. Europe's going to get so much worse oh. after all of this. Every single right-wing party is just being so um yeah, they're going to use this as like their humanitarian nonsense shit and just fucking go with it. Like, hung, hung, like, all right, Hungary has elections next week, all right? They're a waste oh, of time to even fucking cover because, like, Fidesz is so fucking powerful. And, you know, Viktor Orban is the, is the post child of the international, like, nationalist movement. It's going to get, like, I, I, we've been seeing a right wing push in europe as of late but now that they can just like openly be racist but then also be humanitarian like they're loving it and exactly that like that is the best quote of you know just like the sign of the times of like what era we are approaching like this new fascism or whatever it is is obviously been here but it's not like some spooky like populist thing that then was being warned about of like oh trump and boris johnson and this and that and that like Orban's policies and stuff like that have been so fucking normalized now by the rest of Europe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there was a very funny um, on that note, there was a very funny political article I was reading today, which was like, Europe worries that uh, focus on the war in Ukraine could take emphasis off the like EU campaign against democratic backsliding. Like because they need Poland and Hungary, they can like get away with their policies now. And it's just like, are you the last people in the world to, to figure yeah. out that no one gives a that they No one actually, fuck? it's like COVID too at the same time. It's like that just magically disappeared, you know? Like I love the idea of like a Joe Rogan type being like, or, or just anyone being like, it's so, I don't know if you notice this now in the US. Um, I, I picked it up from one of my cultural bellwethers, the one with Bill Simmons, who is like, now he's like, he loves saying like, man, masks are ridiculous. I can't, I can't believe people are wearing masks. And it's like, you know, they've like held it in all this time and now they're like speaking out about it because it's like that they, they can sense the like shift going on. And now it's, you know, now it's like you don't have to worry about the the, the mask police or whatever. Um, yeah, I can see people doing the same thing. For, oh, like, yeah. Who really cares? You know, they're actually, you know, Victor Orban, he gets stuff done. Oh, yeah. No, no. Like I've been saying that then that the best example of Orban's <laughs> policies being normalized is Greece, mm -hmm. you know, a hey, uh incredibly racist government that is just like because the government is so racist made it better for europe's horrible refugee policies so yeah so yeah it's the it's uh it's it's the point <laughs> yeah. there's people people are just happy that there's something else to move on to yeah that they don't have to the eu doesn't have to keep i mean they will still keep doing their they'll issue like i'm sure hand-wringing reports about democratic backsliding yeah and, it doesn't mean anything though but of course. like you know but there's there's bigger fish to fry, yeah, on the EU level. But yeah, Bulgaria is also interesting too. Sorry, back to back yeah, to please, our, please. our there's, um, there's our, more to dig into. Oh yeah, we got the, we got we got the rate that that was just the that was just the appetizer. Yeah, the racist quote. So the thing I think that's really funny about Bulgaria that people don't recognize on the surface is because like they are a uh, an EU member, they're mm -hmm. also a NATO member. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> good portion of the population is not happy about that, mm -hmm. and there's been like pretty like in comparison to other european countries um 
a pretty large like pro Russia like anti NATO yep. movement. Not even just anti NATO, like strictly pro Russia. Like that they wish that Bulgaria sided with the Russia <laughs> on this <laughs> invasion. I love I love the description of the events because the Petkov, the new prime minister, is yeah. going around giving talks and like you know using all his harsh language. And it, the way it's described is it just has a, like, people like heckling him. Yeah, when he goes around like the people <laughs> like the pro Russian hecklers. <laughs> Um. Yeah, there's a lot of different like. What's interesting is that one of the one aspect of it is I forget the exact date in March, maybe ninth. Like in early March is the like Independence Bulgaria celebrates yeah. Independence Day, and Independence was won from the Ottoman Empire during the Russia like a like a war where Russia was like you know with helping the Bulgarians yeah. free themselves from the Ottomans, and so like I think the Parliament even passed a resolution being like, okay, we're going to celebrate it, but we don't want to celebrate russia in doing so because that would be that's bad that's bad yeah we can't celebrate independence because then that's (laughs) pro-russia how cucked how fucking cucked are you we can't celebrate our own independence because that would be pro-russia bulgaria is very complicated it's a land of contrast and it's like i can see how that can fit in with like a broader throwing off the like pro-russia part of becoming pro-western and like growing up you know as a as a country or whatever um they it's a wedge issue because on the one hand policy wise bulgaria is not doing too much uh they are not they vote in favor of sanctions but not in favor of sending any weapons. yeah they're not sending any weapons they're um, uh, one of the the handful of nato members that we're going to get to yeah. that won't do um, it um there's a new i tried to look up how many new ones there are but there was a new nato mo- battle group yeah announced for bulgaria 1000 troops yeah which seems like a big deal I mean, yeah, for a country that then does. I mean, like the largest one is, um, I think Romania or something. One one NATO um, nation has seventy five thousand troops in it, which is like pretty insane. <laughs> of like these battalions, um, or battle groups. Sorry, but yeah, no. Bulgaria got uh, at the beginning of the conflict. They got like I think a thousand or whatever, mm-hmm. something like that. And they've been like, I think yep. it's like a helicopter uh, like squad or some shit. I can't like I don't know exactly what it was. But yeah, good for good good for them. You know, so, glad that they're finally. You know, I don't really know how to. You know, it's kind of being pulled on both sides. One of the I mentioned the BSP and they're being pro Russia before. Um, there is a lot of links between Bulgaria and Russia economically, whatever. Um, the the BSP voted against sanctions, but then of course, or maybe abstained. I forget. But there was a it was a black mark on yeah. the. Uh, that means record. that you're pro-Russian no matter what. That is, so. There's definitely that was definitely being used. Not realizing that then that probably Bulgaria, would, if they do sanctions to Russia, would be just like hurting their own economy as well. <laughs> like, now here's where here's the little interesting wedge. What are we talking about? Oh well, before I get no no, there's just so much to get to. I don't know where to start. Okay, now what's interesting here is one of the first acts, I believe. Certainly after the, the invasion started, the defense minister under the new government, Stefan Yanev, um, he was dismissed from his post on March 1st for call it for not calling it a war, only calling it operation. I'm sure there was other He stuff. proudly used the word special operation. He, he, he just <laughs> loves saying the word operation. No, I'm sure he is he's, you know, vaguely pro Russia yeah. sentiments, certainly in this uh, in this context. Um, what's interesting about that 
is that he was the um, deputy prime minister um, back in 2017. And then he was the caretaker prime minister of Bulgaria last year. So he was prime minister from May to December. Damn, they had a Russian op as their prime and minister. Then now and then in the new government, like you know, okay, he was just caretaker, whatever. Then he 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 still gets an important post. He's um, minister of defense. But then these other caretaker ministers, who then you know kind of leapfrogged him by being prime minister, dismiss him. And if their popularity only comes from being like you know the caretaker government's doing all right, let's just keep them around. Then this guy, like, you know what I mean? There's, there's definitely like, I think there's like some kind of push for him. Like, people worry about him about his uh, gaining popularity, and and you know, making Bulgaria and a, centralizing the or like collecting the, the pro Russian, yeah, uh, collecting the uh, the pro Russian forces behind him. So that's all to say, the, the new the front lines of of all of this. Right in Sofia. That's right, baby. Keep your eyes out. <laughs> um, I think that's all I wanted to share. Yeah. On the on the, the no, two more points. The one is that like uh the government also announced that they were like uh when when their when their net when their gas contract runs out with Russia in twenty twenty two, they're going to look elsewhere. And it's kind of like seeing like, oh, look at them, like finally standing up to to Russian gas. But they had already like finished this pipeline deal connecting them to Greece's network, I think last year or this year. And it was, so it's kind of like kind of things that were like in the making for a while can be pitched as like, Oh look, now this is standing up to Russia. This is like an important decision. Even though like pro Western or, or not pro Western or whatever, like um, Borisov, the last prime minister was the one who initiated the like, what is it like five years to like the process to get on yeah. the Euro. So it's like, I'm sure in five years, whoever's prime minister will take credit for like, you know, yeah. bringing the euro to Bulgaria. But it's like it's these are like long term processes that are just being like spun one way or the other. Yeah. So Bulgaria, uh, like you Bulgaria. said, is the is the future of um, certainly certainly a, uh, a crucible of the dynamics we're talking about. All right. Well, oh, wait, I want to share one other funny oh, story. Okay, yeah. The prime minister, before the prime minister was arrested on corruption charges oh, yeah. by the new government, <laughs> which is always great. And they said explicitly that the reason he was arrested was evidence given by the skull in the summer yes! of 2021 Woo! from his exile about, like, you know, illegal corruption stuff he did. I mean, I'm sure there's like a million corruption things he did. You can get them on anything, but this, it was very funny to point out the skull. He might be working his way back. I bet he will. I bet he is. The comeback is underway. All right. Now that, I mean, we have to leave New Jerusalem, unfortunately, which is Sophia. We're going to take our, uh, we're going to sputter around Europe in our little little car. I think think Bulgaria is good for, it contains a lot of these dynamics, but other countries are, have, have some illustrative examples too. Oh, I agree. Well, uh, uh, you have the list. I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've packed our, uh, our, our diesel car full of sunflower oil that I've been, (laughs) that I've been hoarding. Um, we're ready to go. Sunflower oil. What? Why are people hoarding sunflower? Um, okay. Partially is because people are afraid of Ukraine. Like not, you know, obviously the exports are going to be, uh, messed up. Uh, one of the funniest things I've heard though, is that been, the major push from this has come from Corona, uh, uh, like s- skeptic groups mm-hmm. on Twitter, not because of the of the 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 war, but because they're afraid that that the German government's going to start like rationing everything. 
Mm. And so it's it's a lot of like this push from uh, the number corona. one thing you need if you're going to ration is sunflower oil, which is like the easiest to replace oil. You can replace <laughs> it with anything else. Like any other vegetable oil will work perfectly fine. Probably maybe even healthier for you. But yeah, no, it's just funny because whenever you go into the store now in um in in Berlin or a lot of other places in Germany, there's just no sunflower, but like every other food oil is is still on the shelves. Can you you can run a diesel car on sunflower oil, right? Or what kind of oils can you vegetable run? Vegetable oils, yeah. Yeah, any any vegetable yeah, oil. Yeah, I mean like preferably if it's like used. Yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah. uh yeah, you can. Which is why um like I said We didn't get led into Bulgaria. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're stuck in Serbia. Yeah. Oh, we're in Serbia now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, There's yeah. nothing really going on in Serbia, is there? I thought there was some pro Russia some pro Oh no no no. Serbia's just being really funny right now because they're flexing how much they are not a part of NATO <laughs> and how much they are not a part of the West. And they're the only country in Europe that's like openly supported Russia's um like mm. Uh, uh, war, or it probably they very much love the probably the word uh, special, <laughs> special operation. operation. <laughs> yeah, so there's just been it's like not called beer pong. <laughs> yeah, they've just it's been so they've just been very uh, they've just been very yeah just pro Russia with the whole thing. Uh, that's about it. There's just been like lots of protests, being like we love you, baby Russia, king shit. Remember too, like Russia also like. Like because of the like the situation with Kosovo, they just don't like NATO as well. Like they see Kosovo as like a NATO enclave, and they're kind of right about that. But um, yeah, it's just very funny that then that there's really not much more to say other than look at Serbia just for yourself and just see the absolute insanity of just that. There's protests all the time, pro-Russian protests all the time. Um, they. Yeah, they're just on a different planet, which I think is very interesting because they've always been on a different planet. It's Serbia, baby. Mm. They also, I mean, like, yeah, there's a historical reason, of course, too, of why they hate NATO so much. Mm. They're like, yeah, like definitely uh, responsible for a lot of bad stuff themselves. But yeah, uh, that's just our uh, we're driving through Serbia. Actually, okay, okay. what about uh, anything in Romania? Should we stop by Romania? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. There in are some I think they're doing, you know. NATO's doing some. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, yeah. NATO has. I mean, there's yeah. There's there's a bunch of missiles there that the NATO's had there forever. But I think that we should go south. Okay. All right. I have no Feeling, idea where you're going. Huh? I have no idea where well, you're driving. You know, going. We're cruising through the, through the. You know, we were in. We were in the Balkans. You know, we're cruising. But I'm feeling. You know. Uh, I need to go see La Familia. Oh, okay. We're going to <laughs> is, Italy, is baby. South? I guess it is. It's very south. Yes. Of Serbia. Yeah, you have to go. Is there? A, are we taking a ferry across the across the sea? You know it, yeah. So we're okay. taking it to the uh, the I believe landlocked city of Pisa, mm. which um, is one of the oddest things. Are so what you mentioned the sense about how Bulgaria voted against sending weapons? Yeah, and there's a lot of European countries that are bound by their constitution that are not allowed to send weapons. Mm. To, a lot of constitutions saying a lot of things. Yeah, a lot of, a lot, lot of constitutions getting broken. <laughs> so it, Italy's constitution has Article 11 that says that they're not allowed to send weapons to an active war zone. Mm-hmm. Italy, more or less, you know, I guess you could say probably like has been holding true to that. Mm-hmm. You know, Italy has a bunch of, has a massive arms industry, but they can do their own dealings because they're private companies. But the like the Italian government, you know, not really known to be one that's like doing weapons deals. Um, and because of that, they uh, a bunch of 
workers in the airport in Pisa found a bunch of weapons being smuggled into humanitarian aid mm. and have now gone on strike mm. because of it and have now enlisted the help of like the local communist and socialist and anti-imperialist movements and parties and um, obviously completely not reported about in most Western medias uh, because obviously bad uh that's that's russian propaganda that's made up lies uh but yeah no so that's a uh, a very interesting way that italy has been like low-key trying to like get out of this like article 11 thing is that they've been trying to smuggle weapons into the country Can, have you considered that it's not a war zone it's a special, it's a special operation, operation zone. Zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what the italian government has been saying too they're like i don't know there's no war going on it's a special no operation war. Yeah, but one of the interesting That's Western propaganda, as they say, is they like load, they're loading like uh, what were those fighter jets that uh, <laughs> Germany bought? The no, that Poland was supposed to give to oh uh, the MiG twenty nine, yeah, the MiG twenty nine, which just pushing a MiG twenty nine onto like a raft <laughs> it's just... and pushing it out to sea, was saying like there's no war. Yeah, that was another that was another weird one that we never talked on the show either about is that like Poland tried to do like a very like the sketchiest like positioning of of planes that they were going to volunteer to fly them. Um, They were going to send MiG-29s with Polish pilots to uh, Ukraine. And then they just like that somehow just like didn't end up being like declassified. Like it didn't end up being classified. They just like openly said it. And NATO was just like, no, you cannot do that. If one of those planes gets shot down with a Polish pilot, that's like NATO regret. Like that would be very bad. That would be NATO actively helping, you know, uh, uh, the, you know, Ukrainian war effort. But yeah, no, just so the, 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 the Italian thing's really funny too, because Italy's another country that's like kind of like Bulgaria on this where um, they're not completely anti-Russia. I mean, they've gotten a lot of investment, too, from Russia. They're, also a strangely technocratic government that's... Yeah, you know, Italy is the Bulgaria of the West, right? Like <laughs> I've, I've always said that. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Sofia and Rome are beautiful this time of year, mm-hmm. so... But yeah, I mean, the and I like there is a lot of stuff within like the um, the of course the history within NATO and such of like a lot of left wing movements not very being very pro uh, pro NATO somehow also probably being somewhat more pro Russia in some regards. Um, Greece is also a really good example that then the like youth party of the of the Coco E, the Communist Party, threw like paint at NATO ships, mm-hmm. and then like, they're like they're I guess they're protesting today or tomorrow um, of like NATO vessels being sent into Piraeus. Mm-hmm. So there's like a vibe amongst a lot. But also too, yeah, Russia's been heavily investing in Greece as well. So, but Italy, like if I'm not mistaken, like. Took a, a did they ever like approve sanctions? I don't even remember. They were really on the fence about it. I don't know. But but a lot of it is like maybe there's another question for you. Like, what is the there's a lot of the like flashy saying flashy sanctions or like sanctions broadly defined, like being kicked yeah. swift or whatever, seem to be can be decided from the top down, whether it's the US or like powerful players. And then a lot of it's like on the individual country level there's the exceptions keep getting like weird like what is and what is an exception yeah well, we were talking about that with it seems like a lot of the like yeah the whole like quote-unquote west is like aligned behind this project to some degree or more so certainly than they were before the invasion started but a lot of the like flashy decisions are, like the big things that can be cited as how uh, united the the west or western europe is 
can seem like they're kind of unilaterally can be unilaterally decided. And then yeah. like, I don't know, Italy could just change its mind. Right. About. Yeah, of course they could. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because like the thing is, is that then the European Union has been the one who's been like passing. I think they're on like the sixth package of sanctions, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And it's just this like it's just Fonda line just saying nothing, <laughs> you know, like she's going out there and be like. We will attack the the uh, the Russian oligarchy by banning them from SWIFT, which affects them in no way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was the thing that was always so funny about the sanctions thing is that then Europe pretended that they were like hitting the oligarchy by like not doing anything about them, you know, because... I think that there was like low key this thing that they probably recognized was like how I'm like, okay, first off, the city of London would just disappear. Like overnight, money would be gone. Like the amount of Russian, like just like, yeah, Russian investment in that city is insane. But um, yeah, I think that then the sense too of that then the longer this war goes on and the sanctions against Russia are going to greatly affect the European economy as like, because we talked last week with the sense of how it's affecting Russia and how. Obviously, there's a lot of exports that Russia has that Europe does need, not even just like uh, gas, but basic foodstuffs and whatnot that come from Ukraine and Russia. Like the long, like I genuinely would like, I mean, yeah, I could honestly see then countries like Italy or whatever who are more on the fence about their relationship with Russia being like, yeah, fuck it, whatever. Like, we'll like, we're not going to go full deep into the sanction thing or they'll be like you know, quickly overturned and such, you know, if they are executive orders, like, like we talked about last week as well, but I'm not here to talk about sanctions. because I don't, I don't know that much about them. So a lot is afoot. Yeah. Um, Europe is, um, Europe is a mess. Is that it? That's all I got. Yeah. Sorry that it's, uh, it's, it's a very gloomy episode. I want to like, I want to do as much content that is not related to this Ukraine-Russia <laughs> stuff. I mean, it felt necessary to check in on a lot of these things. Oh, yeah. I think it's also important, too, to simply just put a little bit of focus on them. It's like while Ukraine's getting all, Ukraine and Russia are getting all the focus, Europe's still existing. They're being pretty kooky. Um, you know, simply just, you know, like like I said, you know, packing up our, our diesel, mm. filling it up with sunflower oil and putting <laughs> along, lovely. you know, around around seeing what the rest of Europe is doing. I got a couple points here. Just uh, two things I forgot to mention. The one would be the East Med gas pipeline. Yeah, that was that was um, I think Biden earlier this year said the U.S. wouldn't be funding it, which is effectively a death knell for it. But like, yeah, that could be one of the ones that Biden can just turn around and yeah if bulgaria's hooked up to greece's gas and it's all part of this like push for you know independence for yeah Russian gas um and would also like like biden i think um canceled or like stopped funding for climate change reasons and then it's like well much much like democratic backsliding which should tell yeah. you something <laughs> if they like, consider them at the exact same level where it's like there are more important things going on. Okay. Yeah, we don't yeah, care yeah. about democratic backsliding. We don't we, care about the earth just like yeah. you know being burnt to a crisp. Yeah. I think a good thing too to kind of also look at as well with the gas thing is that um yesterday, just a little little note of that, um uh Azerbaijan like cut off gas to uh like the Nagar Karabakh region. And uh, immediately the uh, the uh, uh, political uh, and, you know, social and well-being, you know, uh, um, 
crisis that then is now afoot within one day of it, of people not having basic utilities, is something that obviously Europe does not want to have happen to it. You know, like it is it is like another nation having that much power within the sense of like literally like, you know, you're heating how you pretty much go about doing most of your stuff like in, you know, food access, stuff like that. Like Europe is not going to want to like, they are going to talk a talk and, you know, talk about, Oh, we're going to get alternative fuels, this and that and that, which they've not invested in. Um, Yeah. I think that's probably also one of the reasons why then you're just not like, you're going to start seeing them slowly start caving into shit. If Russia and Ukraine like settle their, their beef, you know, because they can't afford it. They don't, what are they going to get? Like, Norway's gas which is running out or is the like you know like we were saying like last week like is like you know they're gonna start shipping it in from you know in in uh from other methods that are not as tried and true as just a pipeline I don't know like I don't see Europe doing it Europe's um, Europe's not dedicated in anything except for if it's like you know a border regime of death yeah two more uh notes here from Lithuania Maybe. Oh, nice! Cool. Maybe to end on a on a, on a, on a high note. note. Yeah, um, I'm gonna start with this one. It's a little more lighthearted. Um, these are both from a just you know predictably bad Washington Post article about the Baltics warned about the threat of Russia. Blah blah blah. Okay. Um, this is just a little nugget in the middle of the article saying that in the university town of Tartu, one grocery store shelves were empty of iodine. Can you guess why the stores were out of iodine? Water purification? The sol- no, it's the solution that protects against oh, radiation, radiation exposure yeah. after nuclear attack. Don't want to, uh, you know, downplay Lithuania's, some Lithuanians' fears of, uh, of a I'm Russian sorry. invasion. But a university town running out of, like, iodine specifically, which That's is really like, funny. what's the number one thing we have to do? There's going to be nukes flying, yeah. which is like... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Why? Why would Putin nuke Vilnius? Why would he nuke Tartu? Yeah. Like, fuck off. You're not important. I don't want to be a dick, but you don't matter. They have they have so much iodine, which they're yeah. I assume cooking their food with. Yeah, in, in, just in whipping Tartu. up that. Oh, you would die with the amount of iodine that they're. Oh god, so many so many Lithuanians are going to be dead from like just you know iodine sickness. Um, That's really fun. Like like. The thing I find that's funny is that whenever any one of these like liberal like cranks tries to be like, just look at the Baltics. It's like I'm going to ignore them. The only one that's worth anything is Estonia because they're not completely insane. But Latvia and Lithuania, no, I don't give like their opinion on Russia does not matter to me. <laughs> like, I have another little nugget for you. Oh hell, is it, this is, is, it just, still, is it still Lithuania? This, yes, this hell is yeah. just dropped in the middle. Of the it's some guy being like, my grandfather was persecuted by the Soviets after he fought with the Forest Boys, who were close, actually Nazis. Close. Okay. I'm just going to read it. All right. Quote, the Ukrainians are fighting for us, end quote, said Danius Navikas, a management consultant in Vilnius, the Lithuanian capital. Last week, he donated a vehicle to be converted to military use and delivered to Ukrainian fighters as part of a private aid campaign that has already netted more than 17 million euros from Lithuania's 2.8 million citizens. Is this that like that? No, wait, did you see that like that like convertible BMW that someone put like a gun on and shit like that? I didn't see it. Um, I don't know if the management consultant that been, was the one who personally donated it. He doesn't that. seem to be a famous person. I don't know how the Washington Post interviewed him. When you Google his name, his first thing is his 
Lithuanian LinkedIn. I think he's just, I don't know what car he donated, but they're sending, the management consultants of Vilnius are sending weapons to Ukraine. Yeah, I salute them. Thank you. Uh, and then it said, if if the Ukrainians, if they lose, we could be next. Okay, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's the the two the two wolves of uh, of the Lithuanian <laughs> scrambling. You can either buy iodine and feel sorry for, or yourself. you could donate a lotto with a with a fifty caliber on it. <laughs> Who are you gonna be, huh? Yeah. All right. On that note, uh, contact your local car dealership in Lithuania mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. give all your donations to them. Come on down. Come on down. Just think of all all the car jingles you can. I don't I don't speak Lithuanian. You could you could turn in your car, um, get a free gun. I don't know. That exists in the US. Come on, we already have that. <laughs> like, you know, buy a buy a brand new Chevy Silverado and get a brand new AR fifteen. Like that's a real thing. You know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm from that part of the country. I know that it's real. <laughs> like, come on. I just I'm I'm gonna keep a, a note. I'm I'm keeping an eye on Lithuania. Yeah, they got some funny. If any if any part of Europe were to become most like the United States in the most insane way, it would be the Baltics. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're right. It'll be like buy a car and you know you get put in the lottery to like go to fight on the front lines. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, cool. Europe, you know, you do you. Never, never, uh, never change. And you know what? Can't don't know about the rest of Europe, but it's beautiful in Berlin today. It's beautiful. I'm gonna go go enjoy the sunshine. Hell yeah! That's I'm gonna go do that right now. As in, go on a little walk and get some food, and then come back. Yep. All right. Bye bye. Bye.